All right, this is Darker Days Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chig. How's it going, Chig? It's going surprisingly well. How about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. All things considered, hanging in there, having a good time, and uh, just trying to keep up morale. And I think a great way to do that today is to talk about one of the best horror games ever that I've that I've never played, never had the joy and experience of playing this game. A legend known as Nightbane. Never? You've never played this game? No. Why would I? I mean, <clears throat> oh, geez, Chig, I've, I've never <laughs> had the opportunity to play okay. that game. I, I bought the book a couple summers ago, and it's just been there, you know, on the top of the pile, the top of the two-play pile. And I'm really excited to talk about uh, the game tonight and all of the epicness of this game and really the rest of Palladium Books' mega-versal system. But before we get to that, Chig, let's uh, let's... Do a little bit of uh, housekeeping and such. Why don't we start off with a game update, Chig? What have you been doing lately? Uh, well, I was in the beta playtest for a game that shall not be named due to non-disclosure agreements. Wow. Um, it was super awesome. Um, after that, I uh, played a little bit of Tales from the Loop and City of Mist, two great games uh can't say they taste great together we didn't combine them but they're two really fun games in fact i'm gonna go play some more uh city of mist this evening nice yeah yeah i was playing a uh, city mist last summer a little bit as listeners may recall um i thought it was a very interesting system it was my first exposure to powered by the apocalypse uh how are you enjoying it chig uh it is a very different powered by the apocalypse game uh the aspects aspect of the game is uh, they don't call them aspect they call them tags but uh they're aspects yeah coming from uh fate i think of them as aspects um it's it's very different if you don't all work together as a group you you may quickly find that uh you don't have anybody in your group who is uh particularly good at uh much of anything (laughs) so uh that's yeah uh, we, we made very uh, investigatory characters because we were playing uh, investigators, and it turns out that uh, investigators also should probably have some combat skills, and uh, we didn't, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's really the problem that uh, that fate has as well. With the tags in uh, City of Mist, you really need to make sure that you don't make them too vague and that they can be used in any situation. We can also make them too specific. Um, and I don't feel like the book really gives you that much support or recommendations in that regard, um, which is, you know, something that should be improved in any like future editions or like any like players update that they come out with. I did like the uh, question and answer format for their uh, tags mm-hmm. where for whatever power or background or whatever the, the two things are, the, the logos and the, I forget the other one. It's not Monos, but whatever it is. Mythos. Mythos. Uh, so you have a broad thing where, you know, like you're, uh, I have special training. And then it asks you to answer three questions on, you know, what was your special training mostly focused in? What else did you learn? But uh, I like that. But also there's a lot of questions in there that are very samey that mm-hmm. I've found. So it's a it's a good system but yeah it could it could use another another passover i think yeah definitely cool chig so moving off from the game update let's go on over to the news segment all right chig of course we have some really exciting news from palladium books all right, this episode is, of course, a horror heartbreaker on Nightbane. So we really wanted to highlight some of the great things going over uh, at Palladium Books with, uh, of course, our favorite game designer, Kevin Sambita. First off, uh, for the Dead Rain zombie horror game, In the Face of Death is almost finished. It's right around the corner. And it's going to be coming out pretty soon. I think it's going to be something like the eighth source book for, uh, for that setting. So that's uh, some pretty cool stuff. For Beyond the Supernatural, which is the uh, classic uh, setting of kind of like mysterious horror investigations, their answer to Call of Cthulhu in many ways, uh, which came out originally in uh, 1987, I believe. Uh, The new edition came out in uh, 2005. Uh, It's two source books, Toma the Grotesque and uh, Beyond Arcanum are listed up for pre-order as they have been for the past 15 years. So I'm sure we'll be seeing those pretty soon. Any minute now. Any minute they'll be here. 
And um, I guess there's probably going to be some new like Rifts books or something, right, Chig? I would be honestly shocked if there weren't new Rifts books, you know, on basically a monthly basis. So, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I did check their website and it looks like Rifts Antarctica is almost here, Chig. Uh, really excited about that one. Well, I mean, that is that is their bread and butter. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the uh, giant penguin RCC and uh, the great old ones race that must be in this book i mean yeah definitely and there's got to be some kind of uh, a weird human faction that will be there on antarctica which is related to the coalition states well of course i mean they they there always that, is. Uh, that research base down there i mean why would they not join the coalition after the bombs I mean, what else are you gonna yep. do <laughs> exactly exactly but uh goofiness of palladium aside let's talk about uh some darker days stuff so originally we had coming up a whole lot of convention appearances, um, but unfortunately most of those are going to be postponed, delayed, or potentially canceled. We do know that uh, Chris will eventually be at the uh, Swansea Comics and Games Convention, but that's going to be postponed. Uh, I was tentatively going to be at the Vermont Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo with uh, Gehenna Gaming, uh, but it seems like that will be postponed as well. Uh, we don't know the, uh, the date that will be uh, set, but uh, they'll be in the future. Uh, Chris and Dave will uh, be at the UK Games Expo, which will also be postponed to a later date. And then Crystal, myself, and Chig might be at Gen Con if, if it occurs. We don't really if know. If there's a Gen Con, I have my fingers crossed, but uh, yeah, it's not looking great at this point in time. No, it's definitely not. But you know what, Chig? We do have some good news, which is uh, pretty exciting as well. Gehenna Gaming is actually going to be holding a virtual horror con on April 4th and 5th. Uh, this is going to be a way to get gamers together, uh, you know, in spite of uh, stay in place orders and the like. And it's going to have panels, it's going to have vendors, it's going to have a games, RPG games that you can play in uh, for like a modest donation to, um, you know, helping fight off coronavirus. And it's going to be great and available to everybody. So we're going to uh, have a lot of information about that on our Twitter account, which is at Darker Days Radio, and also on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Darker Days Radio. So check it out. And uh, if you're interested, um, definitely join us for Virtual Horror Con. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have high hopes that I'll be able to attend. Yeah, yeah, it should be great. I'm not sure what games I'm going to be running, but uh, Chig, it could be Cthulhu Tech, could be Vampire, could be Call of Cthulhu, could be anything. Um, so we're gonna have to hammer that out in the uh, near future, and uh, it's definitely gonna be some good stuff. And Chris will also be running games as well, I believe. We got a couple days. We'll figure it out. Definitely. And uh, closing out the news segment, Chig, why don't we move on to our main topic, which is, of course, Nightbane, the horror heartbreaker from Palladium Books. In the near future of the year 2000, it is a dark day. America is controlled by a fascist regime. Neighbor turns upon neighbor. The lights go out and the sun doesn't rise. Magic, still relegated to the shadows of society, begins to leak into the world and bizarre creatures begin to haunt the dark alleyways and spooky sewers, unbeknownst to humanity. These creatures, crossing over from the Nightlands, steal mortals and replace them with dark doppelgangers under the control of a puppet master, one of the Night Lords. But fear not. With the dark day came the awakening of the Nightbane, teenagers with attitude that realize they are not quite human. These renegade millennials are the only thing the Night Lords fear. Beings with the ability to cross into the Nightlands and take the fight to the evil overlord's own turf. But more often than not, the player characters just punch ghost dogs and shoot drug dealers. Is this game another masterpiece from Kevin Symbita? No, this is Nightbane, a Palladium role-playing game by the true master of horror heartbreakers, C.J. Carella. This, Chig, is his magnum opus. Oh, man. So let's talk about this bit, Chig. It's, a, it's an interesting RPG. It was uh, first published by Palladium Books in uh, 1995. And as I just mentioned, it was actually by C.J. Carella with a live input from uh, Kevin Simbita. And, you know, uh, Chig, are you familiar with uh, C.J. Carella's um, 
writing career at all? Have you have you seen any of uh, his other games? You mean like Witchcraft by C.J. Oh, yeah. Carella? That's right. And <laughs> Armageddon by C.J. Carella, or I've... my favorite, my favorite Chig, GURPS Voodoo Shadow War. No, you can't talk, talk bad about GURPS. GURPS has some really good source books that you can use to play other games with much better systems. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. I don't know much about the uh, the setting of uh, of that one, but uh, yeah, there's he's he's actually written a ton of stuff. He did the um, uh, not the Tristat system. What's the Eden Studios game system? Oh, the All Flesh Must Be Eaten system? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think he was also one of the key designers on Buffy, on the Buffy role-playing game, which uh, a lot of people still like to this day. Definitely a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff came out uh, from C.J. Carell, as well as a, a whole plethora of Rift sourcebooks back in the day, in the early 90s. So yeah, uh, C.J. was originally uh, very much uh, one of the uh, main writers in the early 90s for uh, Palladium Books, and put out a lot of cool stuff. And Nightbane is interesting because this is, I believe, the second RPG to come out from Palladium Books that was not primarily written by Kevin, um, which kind of puts in a very unique place. There's only been a couple of those so far. Uh, the other one was, of course, the ill-fated uh, Systems Failure uh, by Bill Coffin, which only got one book due to a, a falling out between him and Kevin. So yeah, this is a this is a very interesting and, and unique beast in many ways. Was Systems Failure their Y2K book? Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where the the bugs came out of the electrical yeah. sockets. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was definitely a game. It definitely was, and it's actually one of the uh, one of the as I'm told, one of the better balanced Palladium games. So, uh, pretty interesting fun fact right there. Now, when Nightbane originally came out, here's an interesting little fun fact. It was originally called Night Spawn until the uh, uh, Spawn comic book creator, Todd McFarlane, sued Palladium Books and forced them to change the name. So they changed it to Nightbane, uh, which is probably a reference to the, uh, of course, Nightbreed short story, uh, which was Cabal. And uh, the movie that came out in, what, 1990 from um, Clive Barker and... Uh, I think Danny Elfman did the score for that one. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting book, and actually, uh, the game actually still gets a new source book every few years, which is pretty impressive, uh, given uh the track record with some of the other uh RPGs from Palladium Books that are not Rifts. I mean, Beyond the Supernatural has those two source books. They're coming soon. It says right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So let's let's dig into the setting of Nightbane a little bit, because I think it's a really interesting one to talk about here on this show. Tell me about the setting. Paint me a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nightbane is a supernatural horror game uh, written for the Play in Books Megaversal system and the Megaverse setting itself. And it came out, of course, in the wake of Vampire and the World of Darkness. And it definitely shows that you can really see the DNA of World of Darkness here in this book, and especially in the artwork as well. So the game is set in our world in the year 2005, but the big meta plot events occurred in the year 2000, because on May 7th, 2000, Chig, the sun never rose. There was chaos in the streets and reports everywhere of monsters. Murders and missing persons spiked that day, and uh, of course, people across the world were traumatized. But on May 8th, the sun rose again, and humanity moved on as if it had all just really been a bad dream. But the nightmare never ended for some. Tens of thousands of teenagers had, on the so-called dark day, seen their true, monstrous selves. Some looked into the mirror to find horrifying, pustuled visages, while others had their mothers scream when they, uh came down the stairs and their arms had been turned into tentacles and still others had you know animal features or avian wings no i mean we've all gone through health class in high school this is gonna happen you're gonna get pustules you're gonna have tentacles in places that you didn't have tentacles before it's just that's just puberty right yeah it's just hormones it's just yeah. hormones you'll grow out of it it'll be all it'll be, i'll be fine and these teenagers and young adults were the newest of the night bane which are supernatural monsters that could be humanity's saviors or perhaps humanity's doom. And with their horrific uh, amorphous form, the Nightbane uh, were also granted cool powers and talents, 
some even being granted magic and psychic powers. The next day, the Nightbane, who weren't killed outright by, you know, uh, weird mobs and, you know, gangs of people or just the police themselves scared and frightened during the dark day, they actually reverted back to their human form, known as their facade. But the uh, morphous state always lurked beneath. And of course, the uh, book tells us that nobody is sure which is their real or true form. But then two pages later, it definitely tells us that the morphous form is their true form. So excellent work. Strong, strong, strong job, guys. Yeah, great, great, great editing there. I mean, when you call the uh, one form the facade, you have to think that's the false form, right? I mean, I know, I know the English eh, language is, uh, you know, it could go either way. I mean, I have a facade on my house and if it comes off, it doesn't look like my house anymore. So, yeah, it shows the true innards inside of, you know, wood beams and joists. Yeah, I don't want that. I want brick. <laughs> I live in Tornado <laughs> Alley. I need that brick facade. <laughs> uh, it's just as important as what I'm saying. Indeed. <laughs> Of course, Chig, the Nightbane have two great enemies in this setting. The Night Lords and the U.S. government. Because, Chig, after Dark Day, the 2000 election saw the rapid growth of a third party. The reactionary Preserver Party. It was very restrictive, and the party has fascist policies, which lured in many Americans. The Preserver candidate, Douglas Carson, won the election with 39% of the vote. Because I assume Al Gore just just flubbed it. I mean, he whiffed it and people realized, oh, that 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 Bush guy, not the brightest bulb in the box. <sighs> but yeah, Gore was trying to, uh, you know, prevent this ecological apocalypse thing. No one no one bought into that. There were monsters on the streets. Come That's on. Right. That's right. People's fears were in a much different place at that time. And, you know, Al Gore just just didn't speak to them. <sighs> And it was really unfortunate, Jake, because what followed was a massive attack on American institutions. The many intelligence agencies were accused of plotting against the president, and only the most loyal were reformed into a new combined National Security Bureau, a.k.a. the NSB. Police were given much more power, minorities were further oppressed, and new task forces were clandestinely created to hunt down the president's only true threat, the Nightbane. Because, Chig, you see, President Carson was actually a doppelganger. What? I know, I know. The original human had been replaced by a copy from the Nightlands, a mirror dimension filled with monsters that was controlled, of course, by the Night Lords. And President Carson was, in fact, uh, controlled one of these by one of these Night Lords, which I cannot pronounce the name of because there's a lot of random consonants and apostrophes everywhere. It's, it's a, a Cthulhu name, guys. That's... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Begins with a B. These demon-like lords of the Nightlands seek to infiltrate and conquer the world of mortals. And their assault began with the Dark Day, but their ability to access the world is still somewhat limited, so they have to rely mostly on minions like doppelgangers, the Hollow Men, and the dreaded Hounds to enact their will. <sighs> oh, man. Jake, it's awesome. This is so cool. This is a great start for a setting. I think you could actually do a lot with it in the world of darkness. I think you absolutely could. I, I think you could, but maybe, Chig, we can learn something from the system. How is the system here in Nightbane? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is the bog-standard palladium system that has been around for, I want to go on, about 40 years now. Nothing has changed. Yeah, so first of all, you have eight stats. Uh, they mostly are kind of rated from 3 to 18, because you roll them 3d6 down the line, and uh, almost none of them actually do anything. Uh, do you want to go over those those stats, or uh, do, do you I mean, care? I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't even have an open right here. Uh, I mean, you've got physical prowess, you've got physical beauty, you've got... Um... Let's start at the beginning. You have IQ, <laughs> which, is, which is IQ. It's how smart you are. Um... Uh, you have mental endurance, which is your willpower. Uh, you have mental affinity, which is your charisma. You have physical strength, which is... Now, stay with me here. It's how strong you are physically. Mm. You have physical prowess, which is dexterity. And you have physical endurance, which is, you know, endurance. 
you have physical beauty, which is how pretty you are, and you have speed, which is how fast you are. Again, most of those don't do anything. They tell you how, how much that you can lift, how fast you can run. Uh, physical beauty doesn't do anything, really, uh, unless you're entering, you know, the, the Miss Nightbane beauty contest. Uh, however, this being a, a Palladium game, your real important attributes are your skills and powers. Uh, skills are determined by your character class, of which there are three types in Palladium games, all of which are available here. We'll get to that in a second. Skills are percentile. There's a skill for everything you can think of. Uh, there's a skill for cooking. Uh, there's a skill for riding a horse. There's a skill for dancing. Uh, if you want to shoot a gun, there's like six different skills for shooting a gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's different kinds of guns. I mean, yeah, you know, there's never mind. Never mind that there's different kinds of cooking styles. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's only one type of cooking and it's called cooking. Right. It's right there in the list of skills. Um, so, yeah, those are determined by class. If you make a wizard, you're going to get skills about, about ley lines and herbalism and, you know, stuff like that. If you make a soldier, you're going to get uh, guns in hand to hand. Um, but whatever you're playing, you always take boxing. Always. Always. Yeah, that's the one that gives you like extra attacks, right? It gives you an extra attack. And oh. everybody everybody can take it. And all it does is give you an extra attack. So take it. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. In addition to skills, there are powers. Uh, the other thing that matters to your character are what abilities they have that are unique to their class. These are things like psychic abilities or spellcasting abilities or... Uh, in some games, for instance, Nightbane, uh, the ability to turn into a hulking beast of nightmarish proportion and, you know, tear people in half with your bare hands. Right. Yeah. And the powers range the gamut. You know, you could get a one power, which is like two pages long, and it's just about like throwing hot water at someone's face. And you got that is powers, always an evil act. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So. You can set people on fire. And that's that's that that's iffy. That can be good or bad. Boiling water in the face, always an evil act. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. But you can also get just like a little short little one paragraph thing, which is like, you know, destroying the planet. So it really is a whole wide range of powers. And yeah, to make a, a effective character, you really need to go through all of them, unfortunately, to uh, try to figure out what is good and what is complete garbage. I'm just saying this because it's not like Vampire the Masquerade where like, you know, the one dot power is like, meh. And then like the five dot power is awesome. Uh, it's it's really just all over the place. Yeah, it's it's palladium. <laughs> so on to character classes, which determine, again, what skills and uh, powers you get. Uh, as previously mentioned, there are three different kinds of character classes for what I can only assume are historic reasons. Uh, the first and most common among Palladium games are is the OCC, the Occupational Character Class. So that's where you're a fighter, or perhaps a thief, maybe an illusionist, or, I don't know, a dinosaur cowboy. Uh, this is your job. This is what uh, most Palladium games have as their primary option. Uh, in addition mm -hmm. to the OCC, there's the PCC the psychic character class uh, where you can kill a yak from 200 yards away with mind bullets or set things on fire or heal people psychically. Uh, there is one of these in this book and it's just called psychic, which is, you know, kind of boring, honestly, but Hey, it's there. If you want to play just a psychic, just a psychic is there. Mm -hmm. Finally, there's the RCC, the racial character class, because um, Palladium is based off of Dungeons and Dragons. They don't like to have this bandied about because, you know, they changed the the uh, stats. They added a whole skill system. But mm -hmm. really, it's first edition D&D. &D. So racial character class. Uh, you can be an elf or you can be a dwarf. Um, what you are determines what you can do. Uh, most players in Nightbane will be picking the 
imaginatively named Nightbane RCC because in this game, that's where the fun is. Although, to be, you know, technical and perfectly honest here, there are four different types of Nightbane in this book. Uh, one where you were just a guy before the uh, before you turned into a gross monster from whatever. That's the basic Nightbane. Uh, one where you joined the fighter factions, uh, and that is the resistance or spook squad trained Nightbane. Uh, one where you uh, joined the magic user factions, which is the uh, Nocturne Seeker Lightbringer trained skill package. And one where you were maybe a gangster, a gang member before or after the Warlord Nightbane. Uh, the only thing that changes are your basic skills. Uh, I'm sorry, your your starting skills, your RCC and related skills. But saying that that's the only thing that changes is your skills. This being a Palladium game, that's kind of a big deal. So, mm, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So let's talk about some of the cool Nightbane character concepts because the Nightbane RCC is definitely the biggest set of rules here in this book. And it's filled with all these random tables about, you know, creating your uh, amorphous appearance and cool talents uh, that you can use, which are like your sweet powers and stuff. Uh, and whereas in most Megaversal games, you need uh, a party of all different like OCCs, different occupational character classes. This game, uh, as Chig mentioned, gives you enough depth in the Nightbane RCC for everyone uh, to play one of them. And... Yeah, first thing to talk about is, of course, the appearance charts, um, because they're actually really cool. There are 19 tables that you can roll on to figure out uh, uh, the Nightbane's amorphous uh, appearance, ranging from close to human to lycanthropic to the uh, bizarre and stigmatic. Um, yeah, it's, it's really bizarre, isn't it, Chig? It's, uh, it's got a lot going on. <laughs> It's got a lot going on here. Uh, yeah, they have everything from you look like uh, an elf. You know, you're you're a nightbane, but you look like an elf. To hey, buddy, you're a motorcycle centaur. How do you get up and down stairs? How do you drive a car? How does anything happen in your life in your regular facade's life? Eh, good luck. It's. It's really weird, especially with like the uh, the motorcycle centaur. I so how how does your facade hide that your torso is mounted on like a seven hundred pound piece of steel? Uh, are all the facades just wheelchairs? Is that the sort of thing? The other thing is that your uh, your morphus is supposed to be a uh, it's supposed to be what the person was actually or the teenager was most scared of. That's actually what they become when they go through this change to find out that they're one of the night banes. So does that mean that? this person was really scared of motorcycles scared of wheels why aren't there more like giant spider morphuses or you know you yeah. look like a clown morphus that that'd be freaky Ooh, right that would be awesome oh clown man. doesn't appear on any of these charts that i can that i found i could be in a source book chig there are many nightbane source there books. are several nightbane source books <laughs> you are correct <laughs> and i assume they're all just filled with random tables and more monster stat blocks but yeah, Chig, like let's let's just go through this. Um, what if we tried to roll up a bizarre level nightbane real quick? Oh, let's. so <clears throat> all right, let's get out our dice here and start rolling. So bizarre means you have to roll on a whole bunch of different tables here. Um, you know, from like the uh, stigmatic table to the um, uh, the different appearance tables. So first one we get here is fallen angel so that means that your your nightbane has this kind of angelic appearance complete with wings okay so those are definitely here on the uh the nightbane's morphous form and uh we can roll up another one on the animal features table because that's part of the bizarre and we get that we have we have a nightbane with arms and legs extending from a long snake-like body so we got we got a snake trait a reptile trait and that's now the body of our nightbane. So we got this kind of like winged serpent kind of look here. Um, all right. Next up, rolling on the uh, stigmata table, we've got a, a patchwork of sewn zippers all over. So all the wounds on this 
on this uh, Nightbane are actually zippers, which are sewn in. That's pretty weird looking. Now, it doesn't say this, but I like to imagine that every time you're wounded, you get a new zipper. Yeah, that's what I think, too. That's definitely what it is. Or whenever the wound ha- gets healed, there's not like whenever, stitches. Whenever you instead. get a scar. Yeah, whenever you would get a scar, you just get a zipper. And you can yeah, that's right. Exactly. Perfect. And then, um, okay. And the, where I carry my bus pass. Okay, and the final final roll here. Um, from each of the Nightbane's arms extend 2d4 tiny hands. Okay, so we, we should probably roll it up, Chig. Uh, here, let me grab a... Uh, uh, I don't have a d4 here but it's okay i have random.org and i can go two to eight and i can generate four we have four oh four tiny hands i was i was hoping it was going to be an odd numbers that we had to be like uh does the right right (laughs) arm have more hands or the left arm because that does that could matter you never know also jake each of these tiny hands can hold a tiny weapon it's actually one on my left arm and three on my right arm oh perfect okay that's really good that's really good so you can hold a shield in that left arm and then still make three small weapon attacks in the other arm that's a very small shield this is really important for designing your your megaverse character uh because combat is going to occur (laughs) it's one of the expectations of this game well yeah you're fighting against the night lords and the u.s government and you know that's right dr- low-level drug dealers and gangbangers i think you mentioned yeah yeah pretty much Th- those are the assumed antagonists of this game so yeah it's it's a ridiculous character creation which you can actually do very fast i mean just try doing that and demon the descent i mean you can also just pick features from the uh the yeah, lists you if you want so if you just wanted to play pinhead hey that stigmata table is right there for you <laughs> go right ahead yeah absolutely and in addition to that the nightbane also get their cool powers which are rather boringly called talents um the system for these is okay um so you start with one free talent and at select levels you get some extra ones and you can also buy extra talents by uh spending your um your permanent ppe now chig we didn't really talk about this in character creation but the ppe is the potential psychic energy the power stat essentially of all humans in the megaverse it's one of two power stats like (laughs) you have ppe which is potential psychic energy which is what you use for magic and then you have isp which are inner strength points which is what you use for psychic abilities oh thank you for correcting me on that that nuance right there they came up they came up with this backwards apparently your potential psychic energy is used for magic, not for psychic powers. Right. Well, no, actually, I think that makes sense. So does PPE come from Palladium fantasy role play? And then uh, Beyond the Supernatural came out after that. Yes. And they were like, oh, we need to make psychics, uh, but they can't use PPE because it should be a different stat. They can't use PPE because magic. reasons. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, this PPE is the uh, the reservoir from which you use these talents. So as you spend permanent PPE uh, to get a wider range of powers, that means you have less juice to use in game. So I, I think that's kind of a cool way of, of balancing things. And some of the some of the powers or talents are kind of lame, but there's also some really cool ones. So for example, there's like infectious control, which is uh, possessing someone by infecting them with a portion of the of the nightbane's body so you know i don't really know exactly how that works maybe you like feed him your finger or something who knows who knows pretty bizarre stuff um you know if you're a nightbane and you have the uh spines of a uh, hedgehog or whatever you know you just stab someone with one of those or if you have Perfect. you know pin heads you just you know pop out one of your pins or if you're one of the biomechanical guys you pull a little microchip out and you put it in the back of their head there you go yeah but it's definitely a pretty cool one there's of course uh mirror sight which is uh it allows the nightbane to look through mirrors into the nightlands and that's kind of a a interesting point is that mirrors play a really strong part in the uh, visuals 
of Nightbane and also into the setting itself because that's one of the main ways that you can travel in between the Nightlands and the uh, lands of the living. That is the way you get to the Umbra, yes. Yep. Uh, there's also sharing the flesh, which is a pretty cool way of healing in this game. Uh, and it occurs by transferring wounds from another to the Nightbane. Uh, so basically the Nightbane can take upon uh, damage from another as a, a way to heal them. That's how you get more zippers. Yep. And uh, <laughs> there's also uh, there's also bloodbath, which is uh, a way that the Nightbane can pour blood uh, into a victim and attempt to suffocate them. Um, although I'm pretty sure you could probably do this without a, a talent, maybe. I mean, That's I how. don't. I don't remember Palladium having rules for bleeding to death, but it seems like this would prevent you from bleeding to death while drowning someone in your blood. Okay, all right, cool. And of course, there's Swarm Self, in which the Nightbane can splinter into a swarm of little critters in an attempt to escape or or to attack. Um, yeah, so there's some pretty cool powers in there, some creative ones, uh, as well as like the kind of lame ones, which are just like Shadow Shield, Shadow Bolt, Shadow Hide, so <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, you know, there's definitely some some pretty cool creativity in there and some good stuff. And of course, Chig, Nightbane also has a bunch of other things which are going on. Chig, could you kind of talk about the vampires a little bit? Because of course, this is a 1990s kind of supernatural horror RPG. Vampires have to make an appearance. Vampires absolutely must make an appearance. And hey, vampire players, did did you think that the Zimish or Zymishy or Clan John, as we called them at my table, because nobody could agree on how you pronounce that uh, that name. Did you think that they were a clear Brian Lumley ripoff? Oh, no, <laughs> well, baby, I thought they were. Mike, you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, geez. So in Nightbane, and to my knowledge, all other Palladium properties, vampires come in four types. First, there's the wild vampires, which are basically zombies. They're near mindless feeding machines. Uh, they look like slowly decaying corpses. Uh, they have very low IQ, remember those stats, and are basically just bloodthirsty zombies. Uh, they, okay. wander, they wander the cities and the wilderness, and if you run into them, they will eat you. Uh, there are the secondary vampires, uh, which are vampires that can be player characters. Uh, they're bitten by master vampires uh, and turned into suave and seductive creatures of the night. Uh, they have your standard Dracula weaknesses uh, to sunlight, running water, stakes to the heart, garlic, beheading, and so on. Uh, also, I want to point out running water here is very much a weakness because... Oh, yeah. uh, if you're a vampire in the Palladium multiverse and someone comes at you with a squirt gun, you are screwed. Uh, but hey, secondary vampires also have pretty cool vampire powers, you know, like mind control and regeneration, and they can turn into mist or a bat or a wolf. Uh, they can summon creatures of the night and control them. So, you know, your standard Dracula powers. Yeah, yeah. I like how the book like gives you the rules to play these and includes them in a whole bunch of the Nightbane factions, which we'll get to in a little bit. But then, of course, in the uh, the section where they give you the um, vampire RCC, uh, they're like, yeah, but you really shouldn't let any players play this. I know we're giving you the rules right here, but you really, really advise you not to do this. And they do that a lot. They do that a lot in here. I'm pretty sure they do that whenever the vampire RCCs are presented. Because Palladium, Palladium, like many other uh, role-playing game companies of its time, uh, does not have quick and easy NPCs. You know, there's no monster... I mean, like, let me ask, I was going to say there's no monster manual, uh, but of course now there's like four of those for riffs. Um, but they suggest that if you make a bad guy, he should be made exactly like a player character, which is bad for a number of reasons. Anyway, back to vampires. Mm -hmm. uh, there are two more kinds for those of you who are counting at home. There's the master vampires, uh, which are the uh, the jerks who have made a deal with uh, the vampire intelligences uh, to become vampires. Uh, they are either sorcerers or just people who have learned how to uh, contact or have been contacted you know, like a interdimensional cold call from uh, 
these uh, vampire intelligences. Uh, the master vampires are all super evil, uh, but they can also control all the vampires they create and all the vampires that those vampires create. It's a big vampire pyramid scheme. And finally, there are the vampire intelligences themselves. Uh, these are uh, the alien slime monsters uh, that uh, cause vampires to exist. Um, if you have read the Necroscope books, uh, these are direct ripoffs from the Necroscope books. Uh, they are big, giant, wormy monsters made of you know various bits of flesh and slime. Uh, they live in temples. They live buried underground. You're never. You're probably not going to run into them, you know, at the supermarket or anything. But uh, yeah, they they are the cause of vampires in the multiverse. Honestly, Chig, I made it like 25 pages into Necroscope, and it was rough, man. It was rough. Is it really? Should I stick with it? Should I keep going? Um. I really can't answer that in a positive fashion. I've read the first I read the first two books. I really enjoyed the first book um, because it was about a uh, necromancer and it had different, you know, different necromantic uh, paradigms, which is great for, you know, mage inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they have as the antagonist in that book, a, uh, a vampire who is uh, using the palladium list a master vampire um the second book which i've also read um focuses ex almost exclusively on a master vampire and some secondary vampires that he makes and like there's a vampire ghoul dog and anyway um if you like uh what's a nice way of putting this uh creepy 70s or early 80s uh vampire hunting through the cold war lens so there's you know there's like spying you know uh spies and intelligence agents and such yep um you might stick with it through at least the first two books the third book is uh sitting on my to read pile but it just keeps getting buried by other stuff so <laughs> <laughs> all right cool thanks for the quick review right there and let's get back to nightbane a little bit because chig you know we mentioned uh factions a couple times in here uh some of the factions have vampires a lot of them have the nightbane other stuff so let's talk about the nightbane factions a little bit because uh this is where the book really feels the most like vampire as all these different groups all vying for power in this uh this modern knights kind of setting and each of the uh factions write-ups also includes stereotypes of what different factions think about the others. And a few of them actually do stand out as interesting. I think the Underground Railroad are a group of, uh, are pretty interesting. They're a group of older Nightbane, uh, many from before the Dark Days. They're actually like the original, <gasps> original older Nightbane, yeah, of which there were a few um, <clears throat> who find and rescue new Nightbane uh, that have just experienced the becoming. They've just <laughs> realized what their, uh, their Morphous is. These are the um, Night Boomers, as it were. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they are kind of cool. The name is a little, okay, a little heavy-handed. Mm, um, just a bit. Yeah, but it is like a, a good concept for new players because this is the faction that will initially find them and introduce them to the wider setting and kind of answer those questions for them. So I think that's really good. And they can introduce them to factions like the Resistance. Now, the Resistance are kind of the generic let's fight the government and the Night Lords kind of faction. There's a whole lot written about them, but it's all pretty boring, basically. They operate in little cells. Um, they have some uh, overarching uh, organization and, of course, are mostly focused here in the United States because this entire book pretty much ignores the rest of the world and just assumes that the United States is the only thing that matters. I like to assume that in, in some of the 20 or 30 source books that surely are out by now, they cover the rest of the world. But the main book is entirely north not only north america united states focused yeah absolutely absolutely then you've also got the warlords which i think are really interesting they're a giant network of nightbane and mortal gangs that have decided to use their new powers for easy profits 
I just think it's a it's kind of a cool, very '90s thing to say, like, "Hey, you know what? These people are just going to use their powers to do what they're doing anyway with some some extra gains." But this, of course, puts them uh, up in opposition to a lot of the uh, more supernatural groups, and also just, of course, the U.S. government as well, which is cracking down and really turning into a police state. Which brings us to the next faction, which is the unfortunately named Spook Squad. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and these are a group of ex-government agents who are investigating the Nightbane and the Supernatural. They actually even have some Nightbane in their ranks now. But yeah, mostly because of the uh, the crackdowns on the intelligence agencies, they've kind of had to go their own way uh, most of the time. Although they still have some contacts in with uh, those that have remained inside the government. It's the Delta Green faction. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then you've got the Lightbringers, which are this uh, mysterious faction of good guys, um, which contain a lot of the Guardians and also a few Nightbane. We haven't talked about the Guardians yet, but that's coming up in a second. And this faction may not exist. But it obviously does because they've devoted six pages to it, you know, just detailing them all over the place. So... Uh, they're kind of like this this good guy faction, uh, very heavenly in many ways, which feels a little out of place given like the grittiness of the rest of this book. Uh, I don't know, Chick. What do you think about the uh, the Lightbringers? Um, like you said, it's a bit out of place, but I think that they were added so that there was, you know. Here's a definite good guy group. If you want to play a group of definite good guys and they're not going to turn out to be bad guys, controlled by the bad guys in the end. No, sir. They are for real. The capital G capital G good guys. So Chig, I also just mentioned um, the guardians a little bit when we were talking about the light bringers. So, in addition to having the Night Banes in this game, they also included the Light Banes. They've created these uh, the Guardians, which are sort of the angel to the Night Banes' more demonic visage. Uh, they're all albinos, they have pure white hair, and uh, they appear to fight for truth, justice, in the American way. And Chig, they are always of the alignments principled and scrupulous. They can fly, they can shoot holy bolts, they can regenerate wounds, they can sense evil... And yeah, again, they, to me, they just feel a little bit out of place. I do understand trying to have the uh, uh, kind of like a light counter to all the darkness of the setting, but I feel like putting these in kind of detracts from the uh, role of the Nightbanes themselves and really kind of eliminates some of their, their moral quandaries in some ways, since they don't have as much of, a, uh, as much of an impact as to whether or not they choose to be good or evil. Yeah, and I mean, if there's real legit angels flying around that can that are you know by the book good guys, why why aren't they fixing things? Maybe they'll be resolved in a future source book. I don't know, Chig. But Chig, I do I know that I have one question for you, and that is, Chig, would you play Nightbane? I would play Nightbane again. Oh, oh my gosh, Chig, you pl you played it. I have, in fact, played Nightbane in the late 1990s when it was a new game. <laughs> it's one of it is it is one of the first uh, role playing games that I played. Oh, dude, that's awesome. What kind of a Nightbane did you, did you play? Do you remember what your character was like? Um, he was a randomly rolled train wreck is what he was. Because <laughs> like you said, some of the some of the things on those tables are great and some of them don't do anything. Well, guess what? My dice found all the ones that don't do much. So, oh. yeah, he was, yeah, was real good looking. But that was cool. about it. <laughs> that yeah. was, unfortunately, about it. So there was something really weird I noticed when I was going through the table. So um, usually on the random appearance tables, a low roll means it was something very minor. Like, oh, you, you look a little bit better than average. Or, you know, uh, oh, you, your stigmata is you bleed in weird places sometimes. Things like that. And usually the high things were the more extreme things. Like, you look like an angel. Or you're part motorcycle. Um, except for the animal forms, for some reason they flipped it with those. So the low rolls were like 
Yeah, your uh your Morphus is uh you're you're a giant pig. Or you are you're a, a big full bear. Full on bat. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The problem is that on the random nightbane appearance table, when you get like the uh the bizarre version or something like that, it tells you to roll your percentile dice, but then if you roll a 60 or higher, re-roll them because it only wanted you to have like the more minor kind of appearance changes if you have a whole bunch of them. But of course, with the animal forms, that means you're far, far more likely to just be a a little tiny bird. Yeah. Or an alligator. <laughs> so they they really needed to proofread this book a lot more, as could be said for many Palladium books, to be honest. But yeah, that's really cool to hear that you uh you played Nightbane back in the day. I personally I would play this if there was a different system, right? Like if they made Savage Nightbane or something like that, I would be all over it. There's some really cool stuff here and interesting little alternate setting to uh to to play in. And also all the random tables here are really great to use if you want to just roll up a really bizarre thing for your World of Darkness games. And I think that kind of gets us to the final points I want to make, which is, Chig, are there any like good things that we could take and use in World of Darkness here in Nightbane? Because I think well, there's I quite a few. I, I think that both I and the listeners would like to know if you would play Nightbane before we move on to the, the what, what's our takeaway. Sure. I mean, I mentioned that if there was Savage Nightbane, I would play it. Would I play the Palladium version? Uh, I mean, I guess I would if I could like ignore all the combat system, right? Because that's where it gets like, we didn't really talk about this, dear listeners, but like... The combat system is way, way, way too granular. Like this you're is making, not. In you're making game. it out to be much worse than it is. First of all, they are 15 second combat rounds, and you can have you can have a certain number of combat actions based on your skills. Remember before how there were six uh, shooty skills? There's hand to hand skills. There's archery skills. If there is a weapon in existence, there is a skill for it. Um, but yes, it is sure. ridiculous to to play <laughs> a, com a game of uh, anything from Palladium uh, because I mean, you're going to get into combat and it's going to bog everything down. Now, Jake, here's a question for you: With the nightbeam that we just rolled up, with its uh, four hands, does boxing double your number of attacks or just increase your attacks by one? Like one of your tiny little hands with the tiny little razor blade gets to attack twice. Uh, boxing gives you an extra attack. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Which is important because the number of attacks you have are not only the number of attacks, which is what everybody refers to it as. It's the number of actions you get in a combat round. And that can include things like dodging or parrying. Um, so you got you to gotta make sure that you're doing it right. And clearly, Chig, I was doing it wrong. But uh, yeah, Nightbane is... It's interesting. You know, CJ Curl actually is a good writer and pretty good game designer. They were just, in this case, he was hampered by, you know, it seems like the, the Megaversal system itself, which is, um, it's, it's, it's old. It's old and hasn't been updated in 37 years or something. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That but you is... could really, you could absolutely <laughs> fix this system. It is horribly broken. Um, what could you take away from here? Uh, like you said, the the random charts, uh, you could absolutely take all of those from here to create uh, uh, NPCs or PCs. You know, if you want to do just some weird uh, World of Darkness or Chronicle of Darkness game, you could absolutely take the, uh, the randomly created uh, appearances from this game for Spirits or for Nosferatu or for oh, yeah. you know just the pentex Fum guys uh yeah, Fumori, yes yeah, thank this you this fits in fits in beautifully with a freak legion game really good useful stuff also the nightbane themselves would fit into freak legion as well i think um if you really just want to have a, a more bizarre game uh tacked onto that yeah it's some good stuff absolutely um they can be protagonists they can be antagonists they can there, there's, there's 101 uses for a Nightbane in a Chronicle or World of Darkness game. Yeah, definitely. Now, Chig, do you think there's any factions that would fit well? Um, you know, maybe the Underground Railroad, I think, if you uh, change their name. Uh, could be a very interesting 
maybe even like cross supernatural faction you know looking for uh new vampires that have that are left by their sires or gone astray or uh finding werewolves that are newly changed they could be an interesting little kind of facet to include in your game especially if you give them a, a kind of devious ulterior motive as well oh absolutely um if this is the first group that you're newly first changed or newly awakened or newly crystallized character meets and they say hey welcome to the uh, the hidden world turns out there's ghosts and vampires and magic and uh, werewolves and there's a whole bunch of factions out there but we're the good one yeah that can absolutely be <laughs> be a great uh, antagonistic group for a chronicle it could be a group that your characters all begin as if you wanted to do a crossover game and you learn through the course of play that, hey, we're not actually the good ones. We just tell all the new people that. And by the time they figure it out, well, they've burnt all the bridges that they could possibly burn. And now they're stuck with us. Yep, perfect. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's some good stuff. We didn't talk too much about the Nightlands, actually, Chig. Um, so those well, are be, a, uh, they're kind fair, of similar to the Umbra. The book doesn't talk a whole lot about the Nightlands. It mentions that they're there. Mm. They're otherworldly, you know, hellscape ruled over by these bad dudes. And they're invading. Correct. Everything is the opposite there. You know, there's these doppelganger copies of people which are wandering around. The City of Angels and the Nightlands is the City of Devils or something. And, um, of course, I'm referring to Los Angeles. And uh, there's also, of course, the Night Lords prowling about. They do have some pretty interesting little minions, like the Hounds, which are these... The artwork is pretty sick for them. They're kind of like these weird armored, like sometimes bipedal, sometimes on all fours, uh, kind of hunters going after the Nightbane and others. There's also the Hollow Men, which are um, these kind of like... They're usually in suits, and they're kind of like faceless... Um, look like faceless government agents. But, yeah, they're uh, the men in black. If, yeah, they're the men in black. But if you you kill them or something, then little beetles crawl out of them. Uh, it's kind of like that uh, that Star Trek uh, bug thing from season one. Remember that one, Chig? Oh yeah, the guys that eventually were replaced by the Borg when they got a uh, better uh, budget for their episodes. Yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah. Oh man, that that bug thing blowing up in season one. That was great. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to it there is yeah they've got a lot of cool minions and i'm led to believe that a lot of the nightbane source books also continue to bring in these like cool weird things from the nightlands to uh to face off against the nightbane which is uh just another good source for like extra weird monsters and and kind of mysterious beasts for world of darkness chronicles of darkness definitely some good stuff there yeah there's a lot to borrow from here um Everything except for the system is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, you could, you could, there's a lot of people that play Nightbane and still love it, still enjoy it. And the system doesn't bother them that much. So, you know what? More power to them. Indeed. More power Indeed. to them. Yeah. So, in closing, Nightbane, it's pretty good, actually. You know what? If you really enjoy supernatural horror games, especially ones from the 1990s, it's definitely worth it just to take a look. You know, sometimes there's sales on drive through RPG and stuff. You can pick up a PDF real cheap, and uh, it's definitely a good option to uh, check it out. And uh, be sure to check out the uh, source books and let us know about them, because I only own the uh, Nightbane core book from 1995. So I haven't, haven't even flipped through any of, the core, any of the source books. Chig, I've actually got the Nightlands source book, so I can, uh, I can let you know. Oh, I can dang. take a look. Yeah. Please. Hopefully that one has those cool monsters in it. And I think that's uh, pretty much it for this show. So in closing, we are, of course, at Darker Days Radio. You know, let us know what you think of this episode and other horror heartbreakers. It's been about a year since our last one. And let us know if you want us to explore other games in kind of a bit of a more, more cynical manner in some ways. Although I think, you know what? Wow, I'm just like getting back to Nightbane. It actually, it's pretty good. You know, there's there's some really good stuff in here. So in spite of our cynicism, I think we came out with a lot of positivity to this one. 
And if you want to let us know what you think, you can email us over at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. You can visit us at facebook.com slash darkerdaysradio. We are on Twitter at darkerdaysradio. We also have Instagram, Tumblr, articles on tabletop, YouTube. Chris was just doing a Twitch stream last night of Sherlock Holmes, a uh, pretty cool little board game. And of course, we have our super fun Discord, which will have a link in the show notes. So, Chig, thank you very much for joining me here for this episode. Really great one. And to all the listeners out there, Take it easy and good night. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Thank you.